0: Welcome to the January 7th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1-11, through 11, and the sermon is entitled, Living for Jesus, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. I'm grateful for the truth of this. In the light of all that we do in everyday life, Jesus needs to be in the focus. He needs to be in the forefront, not the rearview mirror, of everything that we do. And today, in just a few moments... We're going to sit at the Lord's table together and and take of the elements and remember the great price of Jesus together. And I want this to be a service that we understand this. The table is coming. But Jesus needs to be a forefront of all that we do always. I'm grateful that you are here today. And if you will do so, take your Bibles and open them to the book of 1 Peter chapter number 4. Whether you realize it or not, the first week of 2024 is done with. It is history. It will never return. You will never get a do-over or another chance. It is gone. And it's amazing to me, the older I get, I see the importance of every week and almost every day and every moment of every day. As we live for Jesus, that is the title of the message today. We live with Jesus with Him in the forefront of all that we do, looking to Him and and longing for Him and learning from Him everything, every step of the way. But here in 1 Peter, you know, as you have been here through it all, you know the setting. Peter is writing to a group of people who are persecuted, who are fleeing for their lives. And we understand that background, and then we Understand where we are today, that we are in the land of the United States of America, freer than any man in all the world. And yet, in the freest nation, we still need to look to Jesus. It's amazing when the screws of persecution tighten on us, how much more you look and you long for Jesus. And so Peter writes to this people who were facing persecution, who were facing punishment, who are facing prison, and then who are facing the reality of perishing any day because of their faith in Jesus Christ and that alone. Could you imagine in America that you would lose your life for believing in Jesus? We haven't gotten there yet, but we may see the day. I hope today... This message of living for Jesus is an encouragement for you, each one of you that are represented here in this place. And yes, we will face persecution here in this place because of our faith. But here is the encouragement. The same God that led them through persecution is the same God that will lead us today and lead us into the future. Amen? I'm grateful for that. First Peter chapter number 4. Peter's words of how God can get the glory even out of persecution and heartache and hard living and faith that is placed in Jesus Christ. And he gives great advice today as we look back at what Jesus has done for us on the cross, but we look forward at how we now can live our lives for him. Look at verse number 1, chapter 4, verse number 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. The first point today in living for Jesus is this. As you live for Jesus, you must have the mindset of Christ, the mindset of Christ, as he continues to write on the subject of suffering. Chapter 3, verse 18, he reminded us this, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Remember, as Peter continues on in his letter to the persecuted people, he is writing after reminding us that Jesus Christ himself suffered. He suffered for sins of the world and of the people. Sins he would not commit himself. Sins in order to save a world. Mindset of Christ. What does that look like for the believers today? As Jesus suffered, these believers that Peter is writing to must be prepared to suffer as well. And he writes these words in the first verse. Arm yourselves. Now, in the United States of America, that carries a different meaning. And as we are ready to gather arms, here's what the Christian body needs to know. The first thing that we must arm ourselves with as Christians is the mindset that is of Christ. Peter writes in this military term, to arm yourselves, battle terminology, we are in a battle. Arm yourselves. Paul would write to the Ephesian church in chapter 6 to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why do the two greatest men of our faith warn us to be ready for the battle? Paul and Peter, both writing to be prepared in our thinking in Christianity today and in today's world. Here's what I believe. Christians have lost the battle mindset. And here's what has happened Satan himself has lulled us to sleep with complacency in our religion today. Christians today are not armed with Jesus Christ. They are lulled to sleep and they are complacent because they do not have to suffer. We do not have to suffer. And I want to look at you and tell you this I'm guilty. I'm just as guilty as any man of taking it for granted. But Jesus Christ died. And our mindset, when it comes to living for Jesus, what if living for Jesus meant dying for Him? What would that do with our mindset? How would we arm ourselves And this is what the reality of the people that Peter was writing to were facing. They were getting ready to lose their life, not because they were bad or not because they deserved it, but only because they believed in Jesus and they were faithful to him. The mindset of Christ, Jesus says, Father, it's not my will, but thine be done laying down our will and our plan and our desires and picking up the cross daily. I want to charge Clifford Baptist Church in that today. Let's get battle prepared. Let's arm ourselves with the mindset of Christ. It is not about us. It is about Jesus. The end of verse number one ends with this. For he that hath suffered in the flesh... Hath ceased from sin. That, the end of verse one, does not mean that any one of us in this room can stop sinning, that we are perfect, or that we will never sin again. But here's what it means as these believers would begin to suffer, their desire to live for God instead of pursuing sin would, would outweigh it. Their desire for Jesus would outweigh their desire for sin. And oh, that's the body of Christ. It's not that we look down our long nose at somebody that is sinning, that is dealing with sin. It is that we encourage them along the way and say there is a better way. There is another way. And Jesus is the way. Church, what about the mindset of Christ? Do you have it? Peter is encouraging the readers. They must have it because of what would come. And I believe of what is coming in the United States of America We need it as well. Point number two, look at verses 2 through 6. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in the lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings and banquetings and abominable idolatries... Wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you. Who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. That they might be judged according to men in the flesh but live according to God in the spirit. Point number two today about living for Jesus is that we must live for the will of God. We must live for the will of God. Verse number two is a continuation of the sentence preceding it. Verse number one. And I started earlier with the, that we've lost the battle mindset. But also I want to say this. About me, about the church, about Christians today. I think that we have forgotten the power of of sin. And we're scared to call it for what it is. We dance around it. We're scared to say it. And yet that is the deadliest thing to any one person walking this earth today. Sin is deadly. That's what the Bible teaches. And the only solution to sin is a savior in Jesus Christ. Peter speaks of two wills. Look at verse number 2. The end of that verse, it says the will of God. Underline that. And then in verse number 3 about middle way, it talks about the will of the Gentiles. He talks about those two wills, but he also talks about two time periods. He talks about the time. In verse number 2 where it says the rest of his time. Do you see that in verse number 2? And then in verse number 3, time Past, So the rest of the days look ahead, time past looks behind. And so as Peter writes, talking about living in the will of God, he speaks of the two wills and the two times. But here is the message to these believers. The times past, and I don't know how many of you can identify this, but I'll be the first to raise my hand. The times past were not lived For the will of God. There were times, if you go back in Jeffrey's history, they are not pretty days. They are not godly days. But those are times past. The will of the Gentile was lived for. Peter uses the word we here. He includes himself, and I'm so thankful for that. But here's what he includes himself in. Times that were filled with sensuality. And passions and drunkenness and orgies and drinking parties and lawless idolatry. Sins of one's self. Sins of personal satisfaction. And I'm not here to point a a finger at any one person. Without knowing this, I've been there. And I'm sure some of you have may have been there as well. But here's what we can say. Praise be to God. They are in times past. Times past. Past. I'm not here to sugarcoat what uh, list Peter is putting together, but what he says this it is all sin. If you are living for yourself, if you are deciding today, listen to me, to live your best life, if you are deciding today to continue to sow your wild oats for a season, if you are deciding today to do any of that, listen to me. That's not the will of God. God doesn't want you there. It's not that you can get sin out of your system. You will always deal with sin. So the best way to deal with sin or to address sin is to face it head on. Verse number 2, look there. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. I want you to circle verse number 2. And if you get nothing from today's message, circle verse number 2. And may this be our commitment one to another. But more importantly, to our Lord and Savior that we will live the rest of our days. We're not worried about the days behind us. We are forgiven of those. We have been changed by the blood-bought price that Jesus Christ paid for our sins. We have been forgiven. Don't look back. But today, if every man, woman, boy, and girl would look at verse number 2 and say, I'm not going to live the rest of my time in the flesh or the lust of men, but I want to live that in the will of God, revival would begin. Revival would begin in your life. Revival would begin in your home. Revival would begin in your kids' lives. Revival would begin in your family. Revival would begin in our community. And revival would go from this church to our world. Living for the will of God. Look at verse number 4. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you. When you live for the will of God, there's a second part of that. Not first you've got to choose to do that. The second thing is this. When you choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, when you quit living for yourself and for sin, guess what? Verse number 4 says this, people are going to think it is strange. People are going to call you different when you no longer partake. They're going to be surprised that you would do that. Of all people, you would do that. There are some people in this room that went to school with me. They may be surprised where I stand today. But it's amazing what God can do. It's amazing what Jesus Christ can do. And here's the harsh reality. You're going to lose people and you're going to lose friends and you're going to lose the world if you choose the will of God. Are you willing to do that? The third part I want to share with you today is as you live for the will of God, you're going to have to give an account for that. Look at verse number 5. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? Here's the reality. One day, every single person in this room is not going to have to stand before the church. It's not going to have to stand before the preacher. Every person in this room will have to stand before a holy God one day. And you're going to have to give account of your life and the time that God has given you. And what you did with Jesus. Did you accept Him or did you reject Him? Did you take that name to the world? How did you live your life once you were saved? There will be rewards for that, the Bible teaches us. But here's the thing. You must give an account not not to anyone else, but to Jesus Christ, our Lord. The warning is don't go back to that life. Don't go back to the times past. Live the rest of the days for the will of God. Look at verse number 6. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead. That they might be judged according to men in the flesh. But live according to God in the spirit. In this verse number 6. We see the truth of God. And that is this. There were people that gave their life for Jesus Christ. And they will be judged. They were judged by men. And what the men did, they looked at those people and they said, their followers are Jesus, we will kill them. And man took judgment in his own hand to these people and would put them in prison and would take their lives. But Peter says this, if, according to God in the Spirit, suffering is going to happen in days gone by. And suffering will happen in days to come. But here's the thing. Will you live a life that is faithful to the Savior that you claim? Point number three. Look at verse number seven. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Point number three in living a life for Jesus is a life that watches and prays for him. Peter writes in encouragement, As many New Testament authors do. And that encouragement is this. You better be ready for Jesus because you don't know when he's going to show back up. That's Jeffrey's version, okay? You're not sure when he's going to come. At any moment, here's the reality, church. At any moment, the eastern sky could crack open and here comes Jesus. And for the church, you're out of here. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time you've watched for him and you pray? Every funeral I do, every time that I go to a cemetery, most of them, not all of them, most cemeteries, the people are buried facing the eastern sky. Why do they do that? Looking for Jesus. There are more bodies, physical bodies in the ground facing Jesus and looking for Jesus than I believe Christians that are. When's the last time we prayed, Lord Jesus, come? Come. Have you ever done that? It's not selfish. It's desiring our Lord. I want my boys to grow up. But as I look at the world, I say, I don't know if I want my boys to experience this. Give them Jesus and let's get out of here. I know that may seem selfish. But that's my heart. If Jesus comes tomorrow, would it break your heart? If Jesus comes tomorrow, would you be gloriously in his presence? Friends, today, will we watch and pray? Do we desire to be with Jesus that much to pray for Him to come? Because listen, there's a lot worse that can happen than that eastern sky cracking open today. There's a lot worse places to be than in the presence of Jesus. But if you live for Jesus, if you are living for Jesus, you need to be watching and praying for Him. The fourth thing, look at verses Eight through ten. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Point number four in living for Jesus that we must love and serve one another. The importance of using the great gift of love. One commentator says this, Love is capable of being commanded because it is not primarily an emotion, but a decision of the will leading to action. Love is not some emotion that we garnish up and you feel lovely today. Love is an action That Peter calls these believers to and that we are called to to love one another. It is the great gift of love. And how can we love? Because Jesus first loved us. Write this down if you're taking notes or maybe in the margin. Love is not a suggestion. Love is not a suggestion. It is not suggested that you love one another or suggested that you love God. It is commanded. Because you love the Lord, you will love other people. And what are we taught about that love? Look at verse number 8. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. It didn't say for yourselves, did it? It didn't say love yourselves. It said have love among yourselves. What's the one thing that could unite hundreds of people in Clifford Baptist Church? It ain't the color of the carpet, and it ain't the preacher, okay? It's Jesus, right? Can I get an amen? The one thing that brings all of us, in all of our differences, and all of our sin, and all of our background, and all of our baggage, what unites us here this morning is one thing, and that is the love of Jesus Christ. His love for us, and our love for Him. But we're not commanded to keep that love. Verse numbers 8 says you must have love among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. You must love one another even when it's hard. Even when we're unlovable. Because that's how Jesus loved me. I was unlovable in the eyes of God. Because I was clothed with sin. And God could not look on me. But thanks be to Jesus Christ. Who went to a cruel cross and suffered and died for the sin of the world. That made me lovable again. That brought me to himself through his son Jesus Christ. Today, love conquers a multitude of sin. And you need to look around. Not only do you need to look up and love God. But you need to look around and we must love one another. Look at verse number 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. You can't have an attitude behind that love. I'm going to do it because I'm supposed to. You might as well not do it at all. I'm just going to say it, okay? If you do it with the wrong heart or the wrong attitude, don't do it at all. But yet when we love, it comes from the wellspring of Jesus. Not of ourselves Not on our own, of our own doing, but it comes from Jesus. Point number four As we love and serve one another. It is in that love that we can do multitudes of things. That we can look past the wrongdoings. We can look past the hurts or offenses. That we can look past those things because they are covered with the love that is in Jesus Christ. We can love and we can forgive. And it is through that love that you can say, I messed up. But I still love you. Jesus loved us first. And so that should be extended. Peter finishes in verse number 11. And I want to read that by talking about the gift that we have. Look at verse number 10 and 11. Excuse me. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In loving and serving one another, we must not do it grudgingly, But openly and honestly before God, we must love because Jesus Christ loves us. I love this verse. In verse number 10, it says this, As every man hath received the gift. The gift. What is that gift? Now, we are given multiple gifts through spiritual gifts. But what is the gift that we've all received that he's writing to? It is the gift of Jesus. As you have received that gift, verse number 10 says, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold of the grace of God. Because you have Jesus, you must minister for him. Point number five today. As you live for him, you must glorify him, glorify God in all things. I'm grateful that as we love, love does a lot as Peter tells us. It covers the multitude of sin. It brings people who are hurt back together. It forgives. It is hospitality. It gives a right attitude and a right heart. And in this gift of Jesus Christ, what we can do, we can minister one to another. And in verse number 11, those gifts are broken down into two places. You can can speak or you can serve. Look at verse number 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Stop right there. If you have a gift of speaking, if you have the gift of teaching, of preaching, of ministry, of singing, here's the warning. You better be careful what comes out of your mouth. It must be the truth and the word of God. Don't spew your own ideas. Don't spew your own ideology or agenda or propaganda. You must come with the truth of God. The second warning is this. Look at verse number 11. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. So the second way to use the gifts is to serve. Now if I ask you today, Clifford Baptist Church, how many of you can sing, teach, preach? About the word of God, the truth of God, there would be some of you that raised your hand. But my guess is this, is the majority says, my gift lies in the realm of serving. And here is the warning. As we serve, in verse number 11, if any man or woman ministers, let him do it as the ability which God gives it. You cannot serve out of your own strength, out of your own ability, out of your own capabilities. You've got to serve out of the well of the blessing and the gifting of Jesus Christ our Lord. And when you serve out of that, it's amazing what He will do. It's not you. I don't care if you're speaking or you're serving. Here's the reality. It ain't even about you. And I got proof. Look at verse number 11. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's put a rubber stamp on this sermon today. The time is not there, so I've not been looking, okay? It's time to quit. But here's what I want you to know those gifts of serving, those gifts of speaking, they come from the will of Jesus Christ. And here in the Greek, the same word that is used, that we get our word deacon from is used. So listen to me, church. Listen right now. Don't move. Listen. This isn't that the deacons serve and serve well and the deacons speak and speak well. This is the believers speak and serve well. Speak in truth and serve in truth. And here is the model. The model of the church is not the pastors and the deacons take care of everybody. Here's the model from 1 Peter you love one another and you serve one another and you speak to one another, and out of that, the church is able to take care of one another. Our deacons at Clifford Baptist Church are servant leaders, servant examples. They are not the do it alls, they are the examples. And so here's what I want the church to realize. If our heart in living for Jesus is one that would love the person that is sitting beside us and that is across the room and that knows of those needs that, that these people have and that can meet those needs and help those needs, that's what living the Christian life is about. It's not about you. It's about God using you and gifting you that as you do, He gets the glory. That people come to know Him and people love Him and people see Him. I wrote down a list here today. The deacons are ministry leaders. They carry the title and they carry the responsibility. But our church, listen church, as we work together What if we painted together and fixed together and picked up the trash together and baptized together and worshiped together and led the nursery together and served as crowd control with our children together? What if we ran a golf cart together? What if we held a door and and ran a coffee bar and shook a hand and took the gospel to the world together? We would be living for Jesus. Don't saddle the responsibility Of living out faith to a handful of people in the church. It's every one of our jobs to live out the faith that we proclaim with our mouth. That as the end of verse number 11 says. That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want to pastor that church. That's the church I want to pastor. And I'm not applying anywhere else, okay? That's the church I want to pastor. And it starts by brothers and sisters loving one another. It starts by a church loving a hurting world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's about men and women, boys and girls, loving their God to say, God, it's not about me, but it's all about you. May you get the glory with my life. I'm not saying Clifford is there, and I'm not saying they're not there. But here's what I'm saying. Oh, that we may live for Jesus in the way that we have the mindset of Christ, that we live out the will of God, not in the way of the world, that we watch and we pray and we love and serve one another. And as we come together, that we use our gifts, that God be glorified. Amen. What a way to end a sermon. But here's the reality. We still got a couple more minutes. As we give an invitation today, here's what I want you to know it's nothing on your own that you can do. Only by the grace of God through His Son Jesus. As we look toward the table, remember always keep this. We are commanded to always do this. Do this in remembrance of me. We are to always. Look at what Jesus did. And in doing so today, as we look at what Jesus did for us, in a moment of invitation, what will that do for your heart, Christian? Does it bring you to your knees about the will and about the work and about what we need to do to get serious about our relationship with Jesus? Maybe today there's somebody in this audience, there's somebody that's watching live stream today it says, I've never made that decision to follow Jesus Christ with my life. I want to commit my life to Him today. As I am a sinner, I know that He forgave my sin by going to a cross and shedding His blood. Making that payment in my place, I receive that gift. But I also know that His death and His resurrection will give me life and life eternal. Today, a life can be changed. Today as we bow our hearts together in a moment of invitation this isn't for any one person but here's what I want to say this is for all of us we come before a holy God may we pray Father God Lord we thank you for a day in your word a day of worship Lord a day of song a day of praise a day of lifting up Jesus in this place God only the way that you can Lord we give this moment of invitation to you Lord that you would just simply have your way Lord, that we as brothers and sisters in Christ have been challenged by the word. Not by a preacher, not by the voice of Jeffrey. But we've been challenged by an almighty God through his word. Lord, today may we take that challenge to heart. Make the necessary changes. And Lord, live our life for Jesus. Lord, today, if there's somebody in this room that has never said yes to a life that Jesus offers, Lord, today I pray, Lord, through a rugged cross, through the blood that, pay, that covers the multitude of sin, Lord, they can come today and receive Jesus. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead in this moment, we pray in Jesus' name.